NPR after dark, 3 p.m. <laughs> exactly. So, we're weirder <laughs> during the day than at night. Yeah. It's all backward. Okay. But Fuchsia Peanut Gallery can go in. So that well, can be so a So we determine it's yeah. not racist. I don't think so. It's just, it's just it's classist. Bad. Yeah, it's classist. Yeah. Yeah, it's bourgeois. Bougie. Okay. It's bourgeois. It's bougie. Welcome back to the NPR podcast. My name is Andrew Ouellette, and joining me, as always, Monsignor John Fritz and Hello. Stephen and Julius. Hello. Hello, friend from Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, what did we, what's hello in Russian? We just said it. It's hello. 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 No, no, that's Estonian. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I know I say, do you know any Russian yourself? Yet. Push, 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 push. What's that? <laughs> did you just have a stroke? <laughs> yeah, we have to start over because of this guy right here. Oh, no, that was good. <laughs> we, can't, we can't just like mention. <laughs> that's the best reaction I've ever gotten. <laughs> All right, fine. Take two. Ooh, boy. Welcome back to the NPR podcast. Hello. No, I'm starting over. That's terrible. <laughs> Take three. Oh, God. Welcome back to the NPR Podcast. My name is Andrew Ouellette, and joining me as always, Monsignor John Fritz and Stephen DeJulius. Hi, Steve. Yep. Uh, hi. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you are here. Very necessary job that you have, too. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is our third take for those of you that are listening, but... They wouldn't have known that until you, you opened your mouth. <laughs> it's, it's nice to know how many takes. Your it, mental you know. filters backwards. <laughs> Backwards or forwards? It's, it's in backwards. It's we'll in put backwards. the first two. Will be the cold open. Yeah. No, 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 no. So today, I th- uh, it might be nice to just kind of have a casual conversation about um, mm-hmm. Catholics and fiction, mm-hmm. reading, reading fiction. Um, this is something that's been on my mind because I've actually made it made a more conscious effort to read fiction, and I've found new insights and. So you read non-fiction unconsciously? Yes. Is that how actually. that works? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Usually. I suppose you just put the, the book under your pillow. Yeah, I listened I listened to David McCullough while I'm sleeping, you know. Who's uh, David McCullough? That's isn't that non well, he yeah, said non-fiction. non-fiction. Yeah. David McCullough yeah. wrote 1776, the historian, <clears throat> pop historian, John Adams. John Adams biography. Mm-hmm. Truman. No? One. For those of you who can't see us, I'm giving the very blank stare <laughs> of Incomprehensible. Good American history. <laughs> I actually like. David. I don't know what you're talking about. I actually about. like David McCullough. Yeah, I, I like mean, him too. Yeah, um, I don't get out much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I think there's a good question to be of like, should we read fiction, um, especially when I don't know. I used to have the mindset of that I should just be focusing on reading like spiritual reading, or the Bible, or theology. But there's a broader vision when you open up your reading taste to, to fiction. I think it's about but, moderation and balance and quality, right? And to experience beauty, to experience um, perspective, things like that. Well, let's talk about that for a second because, I mean, could we consider, could we consider fiction a work of art in certain cases? Or I, I think so. I was going to ask. Yeah. 
I, I would think it, generally it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, art- I mean, I mean, if if you consider art generally, as opposed to like a, a science, it's not a science. It is a skill that one can get better at with practice, um, like being in the other arts. Right, you, the more you practice violin, the better mm-hmm. at it you get. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. For most people, some people though are like I mean, it's, you know like geniuses like Mozart, where they didn't. It's which is fascinates me I, like, when I, you talk about prodigies because they just kind of like. I would like to know actually more about that. I'd like to somebody do to do a more forensic uh, biography on that whole idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. Yes, he was. I think there's a, a an aspect of talent and genius that goes into it. But I don't discount the hours that he played. I mean, he played a lot. And no. when you play a lot, you learn a lot. Yeah. Right? Maybe he didn't, like, sit down. He didn't, he didn't have to work at his compositions, mm-hmm. like, supposedly what I've heard about Beethoven, who struggled and poured over it um, to, to do things. It was a, a different... I think it was less a, a difference of their genius and more just a difference of their personality and character. Um, you know, I, I think perhaps Mozart, just because of we, he was at a young age doing it, he was on tour doing all these performing things, the stuff just gets in his head. Yeah, I think though, like, I, I would agree with that. I think also though, Mozart, you know, because he has some, a, some of the biographies of him talk about how just his comprehension of how quickly he was able to comprehend right, something right. was, um, it astounded people. But it's not just, the comprehension because i don't i don't think that you know i don't know that it was necessarily work for beethoven mm-hmm. uh to just to, to counterpose these these two figures um i don't think it was necessarily laborious for him to do that um i just you know if you look at their output i mean mozart wrote a lot and not all of it are masterpieces they're not all in oh, one no. sense even listenable i, I suppose actually, i mean it's I better actually, than it's better than somebody else yeah but um it's better than me but um, it's, I actually it's prefer not, it's Beethoven not, over Mozart personally. But. Well, that's because he's like he's like rock music for classical. He is. Beethoven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I like him very much too. I, yeah, and he's my, got like that fire in mm-hmm. him that yeah. you know. I would say my problem. One of my favorite. Hey, I should make this the access code for this Sunday's <laughs> this Sunday's master. See who listens to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. My favorite Monsignor piece. Monsignor Troll. Yeah, my my favorite uh, Beethoven piece. Uh, Symphony Number no. Six. Yeah, I love Symphony Number no. Six. Dun, 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 dun. No, that's five. Oh, okay. Um, it's the Pastorale one, especially the first movement. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, uh, his also his Mass is fantastic. Beethoven's his Gloria mm. is uh, glorious, but I mean, like, but that's a good. But one. but also, I mean, that's that's composing reading. That's a type of writing, sure. which is an art, and. Um, you know, they, they had really, like for the Mass, he had a really good lyricist, the Church and the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, you know, if you just look at literature, sure. that, that's, you know, somebody writing words, a theme or whatever, and then, which, so there's different kinds of creative writing. There's the novel, which is a relatively novel thing, but I'm Anyway, uh, he just but then, he but just then, himself. I, I, I myself <laughs> because you guys gave me the the Monsignor Fritz deer and headlight look like. Uh, uh, we got really? it. We just we I just, know you just didn't think it was funny. I get it. Can we move on? Bad. I'll add a sound effect. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Thanks, cricket. Uh, something from Toto. Um, <laughs> you can give me the Wilhelm scream yeah. now because oh, yeah. I yeah. jump out of the rectory window. <laughs> uh, defenestration. Um, so. 
But I mean, you've got people novel. who write, you know, uh, a libretto or mm-hmm. a lyricist yeah. or whatever. I mean, those, you know, poetry. Yeah. I mean, what are you grouping all that into literature? Or you're speaking more I of think, let's talk a about, story like a novel. That's what we should be reading I as opposed th- to other things. I think beyond the novel, just the very heart of of what is very much a human phenomenon is storytelling. Yeah. That even consider just oral tradition, spoken can, word of stories. Can a piece of music without words tell a story? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like number six. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's maybe expand the, the conversation to you know other art forms, right? Yeah. So should should Catholics be listening to you know, music, should they be non-religious music? Should Catholics be listening to, should anybody be listening to that? Should anyone be reading novels? Should anybody really be poetry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think getting to the heart of the fact of what art is and why art is important and real art. I'm not talking about like what most people pawn as modern art, but just art. Just because it's in a gallery doesn't make it art. Yeah. In fact, funny story about that. There's a, there's a great news article uh, from years ago. Someone had, uh, littered in a museum, in an art museum. Somebody in thought it was an exhibit. Museum. Yeah, it was like a crumpled piece of paper that they had just <laughs> dropped on the floor. It was performance and art. People just like thought that was a part of the exhibit. And then eventually, like I guess the people working there also thought it was part of the exhibit so they put like like uh, a fence around like velvet ropes around <laughs> and it. people are there's pictures of people just standing there looking at this piece of garbage <laughs> like, uh, that's like the banana peel a couple months ago remember that there was a banana peel stuck to the wall that oh. somebody paid like millions of dollars yeah for. Yeah. yeah so i mean have, our, have you either of you seen um it was a bbc special with roger scruton why beauty matters oh, i love you uh, have to yeah. watch that everybody who's listening has to watch that it's on youtube mm-hmm. it's 50 minutes long watch it two or three times he came and talked at my school when i was an undergrad um, uh, he uh, god rest him um yeah. he was a, a great uh, con- uh contribution to to the world yeah um but that his you know, why why beauty matters yeah. is so important you can actually get there's like you know those very short introduction books that's the whole series from like oxford and they're like mm-hmm. really tiny yeah it's like doesn't thomas pink have some of those yeah, yeah he does but also scruton has beauty a very short introduction mm-hmm. that's actually a really i think good. thomas pink wrote on oh shoot i i had it now it just was it, just... it like church and state <laughs> no it was like a short introduction to, oh, to free will, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he did the free yeah. will one. So um, art, I would, I think just from a more scholastic understanding of what art is, and this goes back to the ancient understanding of art or beauty, mm-hmm. is that it's the splendor of truth. It's mm-hmm. truth that's being portrayed mm-hmm. in a, in a, um, in a wonderful um way that kind of elicits the senses well, that's, that's what makes fiction so good too it has to be based on truth it has to be based on truth yeah. and so art art attains its a greater perfection when it uh when it reveals truth in a greater way mm-hmm. so we can talk about art being done in different expressions like use painting for example i mean there it, it's not saying that like more impressionist art like van gogh can't be beautiful and convey truth in fact there are quite a few Van Gogh paintings that that do elicit a response to the truth that's being portrayed in it but but that's what makes it different from like modern art or like purely abstract um, art that has no form to it has no structure it's purely emotional it's purely well see i would say that i I wouldn't say it's necessarily formless there's a degree it's just a different kind of form but i would i think that 
that that kind of modern is it's more base it's not elevated right and so in one sense i would say if you're trying to get emotion like kind of pure raw emotion from a painting you're in one sense you're choosing a less subtle or supple a less supple instrument or if you want to com- I- I- convey emotion music yeah mm-hmm. is probably the the quickest i would but, say but, music but, is also the highest form of art as well um to a degree but i mean in one sense i think you could say uh cinema is because you combine you combine the visual mm-hmm. and the auditory mm-hmm. to 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 you know it's it's a, it's a tremendous impact it's a, it's a great um uh it's a very influential medium it's like engage, engaging multiple right. senses but you, i mean i think never forget a movie right you know Right, and that's kind of a problem. Yeah, that's very much a problem. Um, like, just take for example, uh, it's you know it's very pop popular or very common um, for people to watch and rewatch, particularly um, in Lent or in Holy Week, the Passion that Mel Gibson did. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw it once, and I have a lot of that stuff seared in my memory and imagination. Sometimes it's helpful, and sometimes it's it's obstructive of my own imagination and my own prayer life. Right. Because, right, because your, your I imagination see, becomes right. Mel Gibson. I, because it becomes that w- which was yeah. such a, a powerful Jim experience. Caviezel. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus just looks like Jim Caviezel you know, all the time in your mind. I just did, I never thought that Mary Magdalene looked like Monica Bellucci. I just never... <laughs> I, that was not the face I had, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, so... It, we have to. I mean, I'm not saying that that those things shouldn't be made. I think we have to be more critical and aware, and more of an active participant, and not so passive. Particularly when we engage in modern media, um, whether it's you know music or or film, or you know any 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 other medium, because it does stick and it it can be used for great good. Um, and kind of back to your your first um, your first medium that you know you primarily wanted to talk of the about I think, word. right of literature um literature is very good at uh, you can have very emotive um it can be very thoughtful it can it really provokes the imagination because you have to see it in your head and i think that that's one of the reasons that that form of storytelling is is very good um i think uh, it's different and i'm not sure i haven't really thought about it how mm-hmm. to compare it to to audible storytelling to like you know kind of around the campfire like a spoken word like a spoken word which is a very ancient right which is prehistoric you know, kind of uh, that's why podcasts are so popular <laughs> well, yeah. seriously yeah. yeah I mean yeah. you know the you know Even the Iliad and yeah. the Odyssey I mean those were actually you know spoken so, and, and memorized or the Pentateuch for, before it was written right on. right yeah um, so there's there's something gained and something lost mm-hmm. I think when you when you take the same material into different medium um, also reading. This is a fun fact. Reading silently, like reading in a cerebral way, is actually a very, in terms of the wide span of human history, is only 1,700 years old, maybe 1,800 years old. Um, It was Augustine who, I I don't think he, maybe it's in Confessions, but I remember Augustine said that when he um, saw, he saw Anselm, he walked in on Anselm studying, and he said what was really peculiar was that Anselm was not reading out loud, he was reading silently, so it was like, that's a good idea that 
back then it was more of a custom that even the books that were starting to be printed when books you would read out loud you would even just to yourself yeah and i actually find when i'm by myself reading out loud i tend to retain the information a little bit better because you're using two senses then you are the more senses you can use yeah and that's why i say like to the to the servers Mm -hmm. like to you want to memorize your responses quicker do them out loud don't Mm -hmm. just try to sit and memorize the book and to hear them hear all the responses and just do it that way yeah. uh, you'll remember it quicker and better i think also i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that art is necessary for like if we're talking about someone's salvation or whatever i don't i don't think we're talking about art being necessary that people well it's, it's like art. a different economy but in terms of like human flourishing i think that art in all of its forms is very important because Sure, human. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, for it, for the human, uh, for fulfillment. Well, for, I mean, I think I think to understand it is is to understand the term necessary, mm-hmm. right? Necessary implies necessary. That term necessary is teleological, yeah. right? So, what is your goal? Is it, is this thing necessary for your goal? Guardini you know? has a really good comparison of that in his Spirit of the Liturgy that was written in the twenties, where he talks about purposeness and meaning meaningfulness and he says that certain things have purpose and he means that from a more technical like working standpoint like there's this there's a working end to to certain things and then other things don't have a purpose but have meaning to it and meaning is is it's very much important uh but it's not seen from like a technical standpoint so it doesn't make the 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 tool or the mechanism work any better or less better yeah but there's something I would say there's like something human about it. There's meaning to it, and that's exactly. important to to us. And he uses um, that in the example of the liturgy, how a lot of the gestures, and he's writing, of course, of the, the Latin Mass, because he wrote this in the 20s, but just a lot of the gestures, the um, the vestments, the the vessels, the, the extra stuff people might argue, like, right. oh, that's like fluff or whatever. He's saying, no, no, no. It doesn't necessarily have purpose in the way you're thinking of it from like right. a modern man perspective, but it's full of meaning. It's rich right. in meaning. And that's one of the, the things that I think is so cold and uh, devoid of beauty and so, um, for lack of a better term, soul-crushing about so much things of modernity right? Mm-hmm. The, the, from the earliest 20th century on is that it is just functional. It's just bare minimum purpose. And there's no there's no ordination. I mean, if you Function look at over form, um, right? But I mean, if you look at um, the uh, Pujans kind of neo Gothic movement in the ni- mid nineteenth century, um, I mean, he he designed when he designed a building. He was an architect, but when he designed like a church or a house, he designed everything and he ornamented everything. It was like this cacophony of of shapes and yeah. movement and, and um and color too um because that's that has meaning it's not unimportant um and so yes in one sense is it necessary you know is it necessary for your your car to to look cool to no because a car the purpose of a car is to get you from point yeah, a to point yeah, b right yeah, because yeah. you know i kind of drive a refrigerator yeah and it, it does its job but it's it, it's not cool but, there, but is, is having a cool car, is there, is there meaning to that? Yeah. 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 There's, yeah something, I mean, there's something There's something there. a little sad. Like, I, I know. I, I we're know. not Puritans. I guess that's what I'm saying. Exactly. We're not Puritans. We're Catholics. We're, we're not roundheads. We're cavaliers. Yeah. We, yeah. We, Especially, like, the patristic understanding of the Garden of Eden. Uh, a lot of the church fathers saw 
the Garden of Eden as like an allegory of all of the goods of all the goods and values of human flourishing. Mm-hmm. So art and music and and uh, literature and sciences and philosophy like Eden was like representing like just the best of mm-hmm. is like the, the best right. representation of culture, you know, so, so we're getting into a discussion of what culture is and why cult- culture is ordered towards worship. Right. And so that includes art and it, whether it's written art in literature or, um, or audio like music or visual representations of man things. fully alive, man fully alive. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Catholics that just don't read um, anything. Like I'm not. Even I, I think in this in this particularly in America, I think there's yeah. the, the, there's a, a Puritan, Calvinist, Protestant oh, yeah. atmosphere and ethic that has wormed its way in, and, and it's the infection. atmosphere. Especially yeah. if they're like, I don't have time for this, or like, right, there's something is... better I could be doing. Like I'm not saying that everyone should be reading what I'm reading, or that people should be reading as much or as little as I'm reading. But when I talk to someone, it's like, oh, you know, did you read anything great last year? They're like, no, I didn't read a single book last year. I'm like, mm. oh, that's. <laughs> Like, I feel like, okay, this is going to sound bad. I just feel like they're a little, like, there's a stunted, right? Like, it's a stunted yeah, human oh, condition. Definitely. It's a lack yeah. of culture exactly. and culture. Yeah. I mean, and I might sound like a snob for that, but I don't, yeah. I honestly don't care if no, I sound like a people snob. People should for always that. have be reading something. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, yeah, and I think there should be a balance. And I think, I think that, um, so there should be a general balance of, because these are worldly things. And so we do have to be on our guard about them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it, they can be, if they're done immoderately or intemperately, they can distract us from the, the more fundamental thing of saving our souls. Mm-hmm. Our uh, obligations at home. Uh, uh, not only obligations, but our attachments to the world, which yeah. we, we really need to break um, and things like that. But we're in the world and it, it is part of the leaven of society to develop culture, develop mm-hmm. beauty, because that is an honor to God. It is yeah. also... Um, it's It is... Uh, an experience of God, right, mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, you know, just as uh, St. Thomas in Prima Pars, uh, Question 5, Article 1, where he says, being and truth and goodness are, in, are convertible, mm-hmm. right? So if you add the, the other transcendental in there, beauty, mm-hmm. so truth is being under the aspect of knowability. True, or goodness is being under the aspect of the appetite, of willing, and therefore beauty is being under the aspect of the of the senses and type of thing, so yeah. it's it's very much our nature to get at being, which is God in, in this way. I'm impressed but, that you just kind of like pulled out the the exact question and article. Yeah, for, that was impressive. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't happen very often, but that no, one I can I do. Like, we also don't know if it's right. <laughs> yeah, oh right. no, it is. It is. It, it is. Could be in the one Sakuna, five one. Day, but like no. we have no idea. No, no, it's it's Prima Pars article article five question one question one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but so we have all these things. So we're, we're not, it's building up culture and why we have to be careful with them, but it, we should have an integral Catholic life. So we should read literature. We should, some of us should be writing literature. You know, there should be poetry. There should be music. There should be various kinds of music because music, each different kinds of music have a specific purpose. And, you know, they can be used, right? I don't know how many people out there know that um, Telemann wrote uh, music to be played while you eat dinner. I didn't know that. Right? So, I mean, it's it's for that purpose. It's like he made background music. Wow. I mean, that's, which is really cool. I mean, because Beethoven would be offended if you did anything else 
but listen to his music when yeah. it's on, right? So you're supposed to be engaged. But it, I think it should be the totality of of our life. So that should apply not only to um, music and literature and poetry, but it should apply to cooking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you should yeah. have, you know, uh, you know, the, the French have something there. You oh know? yeah, the, butter. The, <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of butter. <laughs> Wine, um, you know, the, to, to fill that appetite, but also, um, you know, painting. Um, you know the the Dutch masters are are absolutely wonderful. You can also talk about, uh, like, but even in clothing, I think sure. there's a type of fashion with, with with that has to remain modest. But modesty is not frumpy. Mm-hmm. Modesty is not weird. No, modesty. You, you I mean, actually, Saint Thomas says, and I can't quote you the line an article out of of. You're not uh, talking about skirts and tennis shoes, are you? <laughs> I'm not saying anything specific. I'm speaking in generalities. Wait, hey, that's what I'm wearing right but, now. <laughs> but, but St. Thomas does say in, in his treatment of the virtue of, of modesty is that if you dress out of your time, that's immodest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I saw this one thing. I think it's kind of, in one sense, it's kind of cool, but it's also really weird. I, I came across this article on this, this young man who dresses in Regency period attire all oh, the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's one thing to be like a living history actor, a reenactor, or something like that. Oh, that's all cool. All the time. This is how he lives. I'm like, that's that's immodest. It's, also it's just, not because he's uncovered or anything like that. It's a little weird. Right. But it's because it's immodest. Or it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a juxtaposition. Um, so I, I think that's the case, too. I, I don't think that, you know, I think we should dress yeah. modestly, right, appropriately. But I think there should be beauty taste. and, and taste yeah. and yeah. and um, cultivation. Being yeah. dapper or elegant. So yeah, I, I think elegance yeah. uh, is, it, and it doesn't have to be expensive. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, well, especially when we're talking about modesty and clothing. You know, if you want to help build a culture of modesty, I think it's helpful for men and women to dress modest but normal, so that let's say they are engaging other people that don't have a good understanding of modesty rather than that person saying you know like let's say you're wearing something totally ridiculous you know because you're just trying to be as modest as possible and just you kind of seem puritanical like Mm -hmm. that person's gonna be like oh wait do i have to dress like that if i'm gonna be modest like then no i'm gonna continue to wear what i wear you know it should be uh attractive i think attractive in the sense of imitation right i think that there's um Something should be, and this is kind of a difficult distinction because I don't have a large enough vocabulary to, to distinguish it, but we should be um, addressing a, attractive without the purpose of attracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? like, rather, yeah. Right, so you should be elegant. You should be well put together. You mm-hmm. should have decorum. Um, and, of course, this is actually all part of modesty. But you, So you shouldn't be trying to attract in an inappropriate way the gaze of others but your being presentable should be attractive in the sense that it is pleasing to those who see you yeah and particularly i think this is important for spouses to you know um not let yourself go right well to to dress to dress with respect and consideration of the other yeah right so you should you know if your wife likes you clean shaven then you should be clean shaven mm-hmm. or if she likes a beard then have a beard oh, or yeah. you know a lot of times what i i my experience is um i know some wives who their husbands like their haircut of when they first met her and so that's the haircut she had different she just he he met her at this particular <laughs> 
phase she was in, yeah. but that's the one that he likes. Well, then please your husband in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's um, uh, as long as that's not you know. You have you, to always have a mohawk. <laughs> you well, I mean, obviously, I guess <laughs> within reason, it has to be um, you know. Uh, decorous yeah. and and i i do think that there as you know this is not completely subjective i do think that there are objective requirements to all of this oh absolutely. whether it's literature or music yeah. or um, um the plastic arts whether it's sculpture or painting or fashion mm -hmm. and clothing or in cuisine i think there are objective standards because this is all an aspect of being and the being is god so it's it's all trying to reflect the goodness and beauty of God, mm -hmm. which of course is, you know, mine has not, or I has not seen nor yeah. heard, but we can begin to approximate that. And, and if you've heard Palestrina's polyphony, he's trying to approximate the choirs of heaven. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, and, and I think he's pretty successful. <laughs> I think he's very successful. Um, as much as a human can be. Especially just the Renaissance composers in general, like Bird, Talis, and... Those are all um, good. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay, a couple questions for us as we're starting to wrap this up too. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe just like fun questions for us to ask. Let's talk about... Uh, fun, to, fun to ask, not to answer. <laughs> <laughs> written, written art, literature. Uh, favorite author. Oh, that's easy. Favorite favorite author. Fiction author. Yeah, yeah that's go Tolkien. Ahead. Tolkien. Tolkien? Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, because I'm honestly not that well read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends, right? Because I, I I look at literature very much like I look at music, um, and it's all kind of what is the purpose of this specific specific kind of genre of sure. literature? Yeah, like that's why I don't have a favorite movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, do I want like a, like I think that movie? I think when we talked about it, uh, the Daniel Day Lewis movie on Lincoln. Oh yeah, I, mean, I thought that was just yeah. really really good. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit and watch it all the time. Yeah. There are other things that are like you know more entertaining. Um, in certain music for certain purposes. The same thing with literature. Okay, maybe a different like, question, though. I mean, like, I love P.G. Woodhouse. Sure. Like, the Jeeves and Worcester. Yeah, Liz I likes remember, that, too. I yeah. remember <laughs> the first time... I, oh, I forget. I wish I could find where it was, but he, he in a short paragraph, he described one of the aunts of, of Bertie Wooster. Hmm. I had to put the book down. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Were you it really? Was, <laughs> it was, I was laughing out loud. It was hilarious. Yeah. And, and of course, I love you know the, the the childhood things that my mother used to read to me. A. A. Milne, you know mm -hmm. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I love those. I mean, go back to that just to you know. Um, okay, so maybe a better question because author can be kind of tough because we can have many favorite authors, but favorite like a desert yeah. island book. Yeah, like one desert island book. Okay, maybe let's do that's tough. Two desert island books, two, two, and the Lord of the Rings counts as one. Well, but I would, it wouldn't scenario. be Lord of the Rings. It would probably be the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I started reading it like, oh, he's just kind of stealing from the Lieben Lugan lead, so I should probably read the rest of that. And then <laughs> like I got the boring in that. You know? Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so the Silmarillion and what else? Probably The Hobbit or Children of Huron. Both token. Mm. Have either of you ever, do you know the, the Dom Camilo stories? Mm-mm. Uh, well, I mean, because it's it's about a priest in post-war Italy, and they're hilarious. They're really good. <laughs> so, and because he's always fighting the communists in yeah. in this little town off the Po oh, River, cool. and the, his conversations with our Lord are like really funny. It's like <laughs> it's just so kind of Italian and natural. Yeah. And and uh, what's the last name? Camilo. It's the Don Camilo. It's the the oh, character's yeah. name. I forget who wrote them, but you get like the Don Camilo omnibus and and oh yeah, uh, I and, see. And, yeah. Um. So I like him. I like. 
you know, what I don't know if, if I choose a Woodhouse. I mean, Chesterton's great. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he's a, a yeah. he's a great read. Um, you know, Father Brown. I've never yeah. read his fiction. I've only read his um, you know, commentaries. I think. I mean, I like Tolkien too. I'm not sure that would be on. I mean, um, what's her name? Kristen oh, Laverne's Sig- daughter. Sigurd Unset. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that is great. Kristen Laverne's there. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it right now. You know, I do. I can't say that I've read much of Jane Austen, but I I do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I at least the lessons. I always. I think I told you this that I thought uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and Kristen Laverne's daughter, if read together, uh, would be a great way of discussing virtue with a, a young girl becoming a woman mm. and that's that mm-hmm. kind of stage of life like 18 mm-hmm. to 20 year old yeah like high school to college to, to have them read that and discuss that about virtue and life decisions and things yeah. i think they're, that they're a great purpose for that i fiction's tough fiction like, yeah i love fiction i mean it's it's a I mean, that's kind of one of my areas of focus. At which I, I, I go mocks, to like the, the classics, like like Beowulf and, yeah. and the Iliad. So and, I'm just trying to think like Desert Island specifically. Like like I, I have to put myself in the place of what would I want to read if I was on a desert island. That's all. Probably I could read how forever. to make a raft. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like Dwight Schrute from The Office. I would have a physician's desk reference hollowed in, hollowed out, beet seeds, and, um, iodine tablets. So no, I would have. Um, Love in the Runes by Walker Percy, which I read every year at Advent. And you mention at least once every other podcast. No, I don't. Or at no, least at the Men's Morning Discussion, you always mention it. Well, that's, there. Co- that's because um, Joseph Cottle and I want to do that for Men's Morning Discussion. Yeah. And but I'm, also, I'm I realize that, oh, like, Joseph Cottle, well, speaking of Joseph Cottle, uh, Cormac McCarthy. Cormac, he's on my oh, top. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm really also thinking, really like, good. if I need something to just kind of, like, keep me going on that desert island it'd be lord of the rings you yeah. know i was thinking of like flannery o'connor's short stories but then i would just get really depressed <laughs> like you don't know. take short stories <laughs> do, do either of you like evelyn waugh i do i tried no. i really tried have you ever read uh, the some, loved one yeah the pet mortician yeah oh that's hilarious <laughs> I mean, that was that was more my favorite i, I never i never hilarious. liked brideshead i didn't get into brideshead yeah and, but and, that but book, that i was reading some of his short stories in there yeah, like okay that's I, one that i actually laughed out loud yeah. really hard and um i was thinking dostoevsky like crime and punishment oh, but i yeah. also just like don't want to get like existential on a desert island i just kind of want to like think yeah Ru- russian literature probably not the best to read on a yeah. desert island yeah yeah or, or maybe perfect that's true. Yeah, that's about the island, I guess. I guess yeah. <laughs> it's now, not really tropical, but if it's like one of the Aleutians, I kind of fit. <laughs> how, how about favorite painter? Favorite painter? Bougereau. Bougereau. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, the proper way of saying it? Bougereau. I think it's Bougereau. I say Bougereau because sounds better. Yeah. You say Bougereau. <laughs> say Bougereau. Do you like the copy I have in the hallway? Yeah, yeah. I do. It's really nice. Uh, I do like him. Um. The Latour is nice. Caravaggio is nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite favorite. Again, it probably depends upon the subject. Yeah. I also tend to go in phases with a lot of yeah. this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think for like religious, I tend to go more with like, um, well, Giotto. Fra, Fra Angelico, Giotto, so like Gothic. But then I also like um, El Greco a lot. I think my mother for, loved El Greco. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's fantastic. I think though that like, just a general painter, Van Gogh. I'm a. I love love Van Gogh. Have you ever seen Picasso's early stuff? 
actually very good. Yeah, actually, I saw. I, I never knew it existed. He did this painting. It was his, his sister's first communion. He painted, mm. and it's wonderful. He wow. did it when he was like fourteen or something. Wow. I also yeah, he was like a teenager, and it was like it's really cool. It's really yeah. well done. I also like those paintings that are kind of from like the romantic realist uh, tradition mm-hmm. of like the Catholic farm country church parish right. sort of paintings and like the, with humor in it like the yeah the or, altar boys doing naughty things in the sacristy <laughs> the russian paintings of western catholic farmland are actually really great like they have like there's there's russian painters that have tried to paint like the latin mass and some of it's just like really beautiful to look at and engaging in, in prayer especially when they do like watercolors but i'm gonna look up the picasso one I'm not, i do like norman rockwell too yeah he's just so good yeah, Rockwell. I'm not. I'm not really big into like Raphael or Michelangelo. Yeah, um, I'm not either. The only like yeah, they're great, but as the only abstract thing that I really dig or like, um, well, is it abstract? It's not abstract. It's what's impressionist. The only impressionist yeah. one that I really dig is like Salvador Dali's uh, Temptations of Saint Anthony the Great. That's that's isn't that surrealist? Is surrealist or? Is it impressionist? Would be like Monet and Manet. Yeah. That's yeah. Ed Van Gogh's impressionist. Yeah. So okay, yes, surrealist would be. Oh yes, Dolly's got some really cool, like yeah. his, yeah. his John of the Cross. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But like you know, there's these massive elephants that are like carrying in like women and gold and whatnot, and Saint Anthony's just like holding up this crucifix to ward off Satan. So that's cool. That's pretty awesome. Well, that was a good discussion. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So read some books. Listen to some music. Write some books. Write some music. Paint a painting. We need good Catholic I, poets yeah. and, and novelists. And, yeah, for you know. good human flourishing. Because our Lord came so that we might have life. We need good Catholic podcasters, too. Well, until, until you get some, we're here <laughs> to fill your day. <laughs> <laughs>